Season 3, Episode 1, For All Mankind, Polaris, just came out. I've been looking forward to this season ever since Season 2 ended. We want to see the future, even though it's taking place in the past. This is a really fun show, but I am a fan, more so than a lot of the shows that we do. So it's probably going to be a lot heavier with source <laughs> with plot material than what people are used to if they haven't seen the show. So that's a warning beforehand. Also, I don't want this podcast to get confused with Apple's own For All Mankind podcast. This is simply just looking at the first episode of season three. That's all we're talking about here. We're not going to continue it afterwards. But uh, we do have some pretty strong opinions on this episode. So I can't wait to jump into those. Let's go. Last we left, it was 1983, and as the show is known to do, we start this season with a time jump, a montage, a collage of events. Flipping quickly over the screen, we get newspaper headlines, pictures, famous events, campaign narration. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things to see because it makes for great rewatchability, and almost everything they're showing us is a divergent thread from our own timeline. And given that they had to zoom through the 80s, they didn't really hold back here. We had Gary Hart winning the 1984 presidential election. Yeah. He ran on a platform of de-escalization and peace with Russia for the space race. Mm -hmm. Nixon, Kennedy, Reagan, Hart. That's the order of presidents that we've seen. Republican, Democrat, Republican, Democrat. If they continue on that yeah, pattern, it, then it's definitely going to be Ellen who wins and, the next one. I was, I was excited to see that because like um, going back to the 1992 race, it's kind of known that had Ross Perot not been in it, that George, uh, George H. Bush probably would have won re-election. But because of that, now the fact that it's going to be Ellen Wilson, it seems like that's going to be the like pattern that they're actually going with. And well, she worked for Reagan's administration, so we know that she's going to follow that ideology. However, a lot of her leanings are probably going to be more Democratic than what most Republicans would want, at least the Republicans of nowadays. Um, the other things that they introduced us to, Michael Jordan signed with the Portland Trail Blazers instead of the Bulls. I feel like that was just because the last dance was so big, so they decided to make like a reference to it. Almost. I guess, but it's not on Apple. That's on Netflix. Margaret Thatcher was murdered by the IRA, assassinated basically, in a hotel bombing that actually she survived back in the day. Uh, the Beatles reunion tour, so that's another <laughs> yeah. callback to Lennon having survived his assassination attempt. And then there's more of a push towards clean energy. We've already seen that electric vehicles are modern in the 80s. Um, and that's leading to another scientific breakthrough where nuclear fusion and helium are taking over from things like oil. And you even see sort of the pushback of people who are losing their jobs for that in um in the 90s. And then Kurt Cobain apparently survived as well. Yeah. So those were the ones I caught. I know there were more. There was like a mention of Alien. I saw a picture of... Yeah, yeah. Well, you saw a video clip of it. But I don't know what the change was there. Or maybe they were just I identifying were just, something that happened. I think they were just like kind of giving you the time period piece as to something that happened. So jump in on it really quick. Ronald D. Moore says that like whenever they have to do these montages, it is hell on the post-production team. But the, like you This said, was the longest one they've ever done. Yeah, yeah. Because they had to jump, I think, the longest time that they've ever jumped. Right. And they have to get like in or inordinate amount of time for clips also they have to like get legal vetting for some of them yeah. as well but like you said it's I, part of the best it's one of my of favorite yeah, yeah it's one of my favorite parts of this episode so kicking it off like this that was that was a smart move it's also what they know was going to work mm -hmm. and also what they had to do to zoom us up because we'd already seen the cliffhanger last season which was the first steps on mars in the mid 90s now they weren't going to start this episode off 
with that cliffhanger because even last season, season two's season one's cliffhanger, that didn't happen until like midway through like season six two. Episodes in or so. so I'm not expecting them to actually step on Mars until probably mid season here. Yeah, probably. But who knows? They could surprise us. It could be episode two. The stuff that they were also showing us with these events that were interspliced were things that were more related to our characters specifically. For instance, there was a movie called Love in the Skies that was starring <laughs> Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan based on Gordo and Tracy's relationship. Remember Love in the Skies guys was the magazine article that came out originally in season one that made Nixon want uh, Tracy to be part of that original right. space crew to become astronauts, women astronauts. Yeah. And now Danny Stevens is an astronaut before he was in the Navy last season. Um, and he's getting married as well. Yeah, we'll get into his marriage. Um, and then Ellen is running for a Republican candidate against Bill Clinton. We already addressed that. And then the but has, has, it, has it ever been the case where they were like uh, in this show, one of the presidential nominees is actually racing against someone who actually was the presidential nominee at the time the person who was supposed to win lost yeah i think so i think either nixon was running or maybe reagan beat carter it feels like that has happened and that they've just tried to keep it where it's been democrat for a while and then republican for a while so that they could mix it up with nasa and show the different ways in which they had to approach these administrations like definitely the republicans were more heavy gun gear mm -hmm. while the democrats were more de-escalization i don't want to jump too far ahead but i think ellen is definitely going to win the presidency against Bill Clinton here because of what we know about her and her relationship with Thomas Paine and how much she wants to go to Mars. Like, I think that she's going to be able to convince enough people. And she's also, like, already famous because she's the person who threw the uh, canister or whatever in the first season yeah. that saved the day. I also think that, like, there, there would be no reason for her to be the presidential candidate in the TV show if she were to just lose. But we didn't get a lot of her in the first episode. The other things we learned were the outpost bar that Karen sold at the end of last season that we'd seen for the first had become franchised by Sam uh, Cleveland and um, it become an, an international chain. So that's where they scrounged up all the money to be, to build a space tourism station, Bezos-ish in the sky or Richard Branson-ish in the sky. And now that's called Polaris, the name of the episode where Karen Baldwin and Sam Cleveland have basically opened it up to the public. So we get this crescendo of all this stuff that's happening. That's the intro, right? Yeah. Then we get a second intro where we see Karen talking to Sam Cleveland again on the phone. Holy old man makeup, <laughs> Batman. Let's talk about the elephant in the room here. It's been 23 years since we saw the characters for the first time. That was in 1969. Um, it's 1992 now, so not 1995 with the Mars mission, but... Ed and Karen are supposed to be around 60 years old yeah. at this point. I was shocked when I found out that this season was going to revolve around the same cast. Yeah, I, I thought Joel Kinnaman was out. I thought by the end of season two, they were not going to show him or Karen or really the main cast anymore. I thought besides Margot. Um, that they were passing the guard basically mm -hmm. last season, that we were going to maybe see a cameo here or there, but mostly it would be Kelly Baldwin, the younger adopted daughter, Danny Stevens, maybe the red haired guy that Ed flew with last, Alita. Like they definitely had a younger cast crew that they were kind of developing, but I was thrilled when I found out that we'd still <laughs> see Joel Kinnaman, obviously not Michael Dorman, but like a lot of the returning cast and that it would just continue on the path that it's been going. I was a little confused and very wary because Season two was difficult for me to watch. Um, I love the ending. I love the beginning. The show isn't afraid of taking risks, which leads to these amazing gut-wrenching moments, but also some um, horrible, inexcusable, jump-the-shark plot lines. Say it. Say, say, the, say the part. Yeah, of the I'll show. say it again. Like yeah. Last season was incredible. 
Right, right, right. Yeah. In, in, in that, like, they somehow were able to pull it together in the end because you have Gordo's journey and sacrifice, amazing. Ellen learning from Thomas Paine and Thomas Paine's ending, like, conclusion to his story. Uh, you have the insight of Bill and the peanut nickname, which I found really poignant when Alita, that, that was the moment where I was like, okay, they switched characters with who plays Alita. And that was finally where I was like, finally, I'm on board with her. Right. Um, there's Ed's grouchy old man persona, which, at first was really funny this season it's getting a little old but <laughs> you could tell that joel kinnaman has a fun time yeah. doing that um because it's not his normal role but the karen storyline with danny her dead son's best friend her best friend's son her adoptive daughter's co-worker and ex-schoolmate having an affair with that kid felt like the laziest betrayal to a strong character that i have bar none ever seen in tv and, and the fact that karen told ed to go it to was, space yeah i'm getting to that it was mind-boggling i don't know how the writers persuaded themselves that she should stubbornly tell ed to go flying again like early on in that season and then immediately blame him for doing exactly that go off and have this affair with danny of all people and then tell him as, as you're saying, two seconds before he's going up on a fighter jet into space and the world is about to go into nuclear war and she thinks that's not going to mess. Like her character, it, they destroyed her. You, along with every single fan, every single critic have said the same exact thing. They, uh, the weird thing is, is that this show has like it's exploded in popularity. Good. Like we were supposed to season do Season one, great. Season two had some amazing moments. Yeah. Season two also had some and terrible moments. It has like a lot. I think it has a real big soft spot for critics because critics say that like, yeah, this show is is great. And yeah, like, it was under under the radar for a long time. Right. Like season one came out and I don't think people appreciated it that much because it was on Apple TV and no one really knew what to expect also, with a new... You- with a new program. No one had it. Once you get season two, I think that like it makes season one all the more better for it. But yeah, every single critic has said that what they did with Karen's storyline was just awful. Yeah. yeah. So Karen's talking to Sam in this first scene, right? And I'm thinking it's a fake out because they're kind of pushing the, the idea that they're together mm-hmm. right at the beginning. And I feel like Apple's toying with us that they're going to zoom out, pan out, and we're going to see Ed there. And it's going to be like, okay, they, they did mend things. They're together. Holy shit. Instead of that, <laughs> we're in outer space. Karen, the housewife from the 60s and 70s who was just raising a kid, is is now in outer space. So we see her <laughs> there. And I'm like both in awe, but also like, oh, my God, where are they headed with this? So even with the risk that the show pulls off, like I just talked about how they go, they go for it, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's always been kind of down to earth. Like, they've always tried to keep it, (laughs) excuse me, excuse the pun there. But yeah, it's always been sort of, they grounded themselves in a way. Um, But the training wheels feel like they're they're off. Yeah. Right off the bat, it's like, we're going to turn this season into something that you've never seen before. Right, yeah, I even put in my notes, I said, Karen and Space haven't seen that yet. Like, it feels like every single character that we are going to know definitely will be in space by some point. Oh, yeah, I have feelings about that, too. But then we get Margot's scene, and this is typical Margot, where Kevin, Karen's wake up was just like completely out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Margot's scene, every season they show her waking up at NASA, doing her routine, getting dressed, all that stuff, and then finding herself like that. It used to be a surprise 
that she was still in her office, but this was now no you surprise. It, yeah. Yeah. yeah, when she walked out, she's reading Stephen King. Apparently, she That's, has shades new... in, in her desk. <laughs> yeah, she has a new haircut. She had slim fast in her desk, and then um, she has her piano in her office. So it's now her place. Out of all the people that look different in this show, I felt like she looked the most the same. Yeah, I mean, they always she, they gave her a new haircut, but it, she is also aging up there. But she doesn't have to do like anything really physical, so yeah. it makes sense that she would still be in a high position. The question now is: Is she compromised? Because at the end of season two, it was all about how the Russia Russians had kind of an in with her because she really likes that one guy, right? Mm. And so you, you kind of have to wonder that. And her new secretary walks in; she has a Palm Pilot now, and Miss Jorgen, who was her old secretary, is also there, but she seems to have a higher position, like a higher level secretary she's almost um she's more defiant (laughs) i don't know how to describe it but she was definitely more confident with her persona and then uh she gets this note uh margo does about this neptune records and immediately i'm like that's russia okay we know she's compromised i don't know if you saw that when they but they when they said neptune records and she's like what time i was like okay that's that's the meeting yeah sergey it took me until they actually showed it like right away before i was like okay oh you mean when she was at the when she was at the telephone pole yeah and outside the record store. Yeah. yeah. But before the, all that, she goes to Mission Control. It's been completely renovated, just like last season. There's fancy monitors. We see Alita. We see uh, Bill. Everything's focused on Mars now. It's called now Mars Mission Control. Was I the only one that felt like it was maybe a little bit smaller? I don't know. It just felt like they didn't have as many people as it did I think before. it was darker. But I know what you're saying. I think the screens took up so much space that it made it seem like, yeah, maybe the darker tones, too, made the room seem smaller. But yeah. I think the room is still the same size. I knew they were trying to make it the same setting. Yeah, it definitely looks futuristic-y, though. They're now testing this nuclear uh, fusion engine. Jamestown fire test. Yeah, in Jamestown. And so they're testing these things there so that they can just shoot from there, I guess, to go to Mars. Mm -hmm. Uh, cause it's closer. And Russia is on TV at the same time promoting their own Mars mission with their own captain, Grigory Kuznetsov, who in they're promising to get to Mars before the US. And then that's when Margo's like, why haven't we decided who our own mission commander is yep, going to be here? Them, is it Molly going to be Baldwin? Is it going to be Baldwin or Poole? And when I, they said Baldwin, I was like, that's a fake out again. They're talking about Kelly Baldwin. They're talking no. about the adopted <laughs> daughter. She's made it through school and now she's good looking. And, and no, they're, they're just talking about Ed. No, they're talking about Ed. <laughs> And then we see Ed and Ed is looking good for a 60 year old, but he's looking less old than he did last yeah, year yeah, on the, the show. Like Botox? Like the, what happened? The, I, I know that the makeup department tried. I think um, Joel Kinnaman said it was like an hour, <laughs> hour and 20 minutes every single time they shot it. They said that like he had more prosthetics, but it just it didn't work. I was like, he yeah, this is younger. Yeah, this, this guy's way too young to be 60. Uh, yeah, so at least at least with Karen, they like slapped on a silver wig with her here. It was like, mm. yeah, I mean, Karen did look older than Ed now. And Polaris, when they're all on Polaris and this is when we really get the indication that Ed is with someone else and Karen's with someone else there. It, it's a fancy schmancy looking place. Mm-hmm. They walk in there and it's called the Polaris Hotel. He compares it to the love boat and then they drop the ball. Yes, with Tracy, it made sense that Sam Cleveland and her ended up together. In fact, at the end of season one, Gordo and Tracy seemed like they were finally mending their relationship. And so it was kind of a cool twist when at the end or at the beginning of season two, they had broken up and Gordo had to like fight for her back. And there was that whole storyline. But the idea that then Karen would end up with Sam Cleveland, the same guy that Tracy had married. It's it's Karen's decisions don't make any (laughs) sense. And the fact that people still rely on her or respect her doesn't. 
it doesn't make sense to me. Anyway, just been a different. She goes for every yeah. sleazy guy that goes <laughs> after her. They halt and catch fired me. Basically, Gordon and Donna were broken up in that show. That feels a lot like Ed and Karen. But at least with Gordon and Donna, it was understandable in the end. I don't know. When they introduced Yvonne, I was like, what the fuck is happening to this show? I'm over the relationships. Let's stick with the space stuff. And that's when we get the scene with Molly um, and uh, Margot, right? Where yeah. she's asking her about whether they should send uh, Ed or Danny up there, Danny Poole. Yeah, and uh, Margot is 100% for Danny. She's like, we, we yeah. should do that. Absolutely. Margot wants Danny. Molly wants Ed. But Molly is completely blind and she's okay with it. And I'm so happy. There's two plot lines that I'm glad they got rid of. Pam being one of them because she was she was literally providing nothing yeah. for the storyline and also Molly's blindness. I'm so happy that we're done with that storyline. It took up too much time last season. She's too strong a character to have been bogged down for it as long as she did to have ever considered treatment from some random foreign doctor and just had to be talked down by her husband. It was infuriating because like she's the same person who in the first season saw her friend die and was just like, it happens. Like, she should not have been that she way. Was, down, but... She was also okay with, like, completely dying in the first season as well. Yeah. So the idea that, like, her eyes had such an effect on her, it just felt overly emotional. And she's too logical for it. And so I'm happy that storyline's done. I'm happy to see her back in gear. And so she's fighting for Ed. And I like Molly's reasoning, too. The fact that she was like, Ed knows to break the rules. Like, he's not as by the book as Poole yeah, And is. we saw that. We see that continually. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's been his character arc continually from the first season when uh the only time he followed followed the rules was when he didn't land on the moon that first time and he regretted it and that was yeah that was like his one regret (laughs) (laughs) so there really isn't a conclusion to that conversation though it's basically like this is where everybody stands then margo goes to that record store she has that conversation with sergey which again the same realization from last season sergey gets a phone call right after he's talked to margo and that says why don't you push her more the government he's their stooge basically and then it's back to the uh, polaris ship so Mm -hmm. they keep us jumping around a lot i know i'm sorry it's hard to track but we see danielle pool she's also in a relationship now i guess i'm happy for her but like after her husband passed away i don't really see where they need to keep on adding a new relationship for everyone um so everyone's on polaris danny stevens wedding he it feels weird after seeing last season and not just hating Danny as a character, but uh, I guess we're dealing with the, it. This reminded me of uh, the Peaky Blinder season three premiere because that also centered around a wedding. And I would have said it, it wouldn't have ended as tragic had not the rest of this episode happened. You mean the season three of Peaky Blinders yeah, ended tragically? Yeah. Well, with Danny Stevens, the weird thing is like last season when he was celebrating something, it was like a beer in the backyard with his pop. Mm-hmm. Now it's in the middle of space on this fancy hotel with all these rich, famous people. Four like, seasons. It is, it is crazy, the difference between their celebration style. Anyway, Danny's brother gives this angry best man speech. He's obviously not over his parents' death. And then uh, he shares a smoke with Isaiah, who is this new character who Danny is the stepmom to. I like the reference from uh, from the end of season two when Tracy was smoking in space. But like I felt that that was a little bit of an unnecessary storyline, kind of just there because they're going to like explore that. The yeah, rest so of the season. The bro- Danny brother, who's like 26 now and like this kid, Isaiah, who I think is still in his like teens, they yeah. go off to smoke a cigarette or smoke pot. I'm not sure which it is. But then they go to this random spa- space and Danny's like, my mom taught me how to do this. 
Danny was never in space. <laughs> and every time his mom talked to him in space, she was being recorded by like a bunch of other people. Like it was in the middle of the uh, main cabin. So she couldn't have told him about that stuff unless you're saying that she went home and she decided to relay. This is how you smoke in space, which seems like a very strange yeah. thing for her to have done, even though she was kind of a weirdo. Um, I, it, it, yeah, that, that line felt thrown in there just simply for the, as you said, Fan reference service, no, 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 to the reference, but it didn't make as much sense with who he is as a character. Kelly Baldwin calls in from Antarctica. She congratulates uh, Danny on his wedding as well. And there's also this awkward hug where he's he, he like handshakes Ed and then he hugs Karen. And yeah. I'm like, OK, is this over? We're good <laughs> no, with this? No, 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 no. <laughs> Amber and Danny have their big dance that you do at weddings. And the song of choice is Don't Be Cruel. And the second they played it, <laughs> you had your chance, guys. Like you canceled the bad storylines up until now. But out of all of them, you choose to keep the one that hurt the show the most. Why do they want to keep this storyline so bad? I'm seriously questioning that. She's 60 years old. He's supposed to be like, I don't know, like 29 or something. Let it go. Yeah, regardless of the storyline, it just feels like it's done. It's over. Like, it's okay. But the point of that scene (laughs) is to show that he is still very much interested in, in Karen making no sense she's very old at this point and also like what like what is happening i don't i don't understand thankfully thankfully it only takes one minute but it's really planting the seeds for what's to come in the next couple episodes or this season yeah that's what's upsetting yeah (laughs) i thought the sam cleveland thing was bad enough anyway so commander laporte great name for a commander because it's like porting or shit yeah yeah. Yeah. so he shows up (laughs) and he's like um guys this north korea rocket that exploded nearby has space debris kind of like in gravity the well, we movie see the debris like, hit yeah the, the ship. debris hits the ship and so there's a problem this and was titanic this is, in space this is why it completely turns into titanic what, what, what in does space. i have written in there titanic, titanic air force, force one, one. <laughs> in space basically that's what this episode becomes and i see what they're trying to do because in season two they kicked off with a really big emotional start where there was that radiation on the moon yeah except that made sense that has a scientific background stuff like that happens in space that we wouldn't otherwise be aware of there is space debris. There's a lot of space debris. But the idea that it turns into this is just... Uh, I was okay with it. I was like, a, this, I was, this makes it interesting. I was like, how many times are we going to deal with... It, ga- like, it gave or, us like the like a kind of action-packed last half of the episode. Yeah. All right. So how did we end up with the scenario, though, where Karen... She's being told that it's not that big a deal, right? Mm-hmm. Yet her and Sam leave the wedding to go watch this happen biting their nails as if they have any background in understanding what's going on. I like and the- they decide not to bring in Ed or Danny Poole, yeah. the two people who are being vetted, literally the only people on Earth being vetted to run the mission to Mars. They wouldn't bring them in if they thought it was serious enough I for agree. them to look at the situation. That, that was like beyond my comprehension. I, I agree. I felt like Sharknado was about to happen <laughs> when I started seeing the explosion. Part of me wanted people to just wake up. I wanted someone to wake up and it all to be a dream. Well, I, I like kind of the hints that they were throwing in there. Like you see the cake and how it's kind of deflating. You saw the, yeah. the flowers that they no. were throwing behind it. Was I like- give credit to the smart people who are putting that stuff in there. And then, and then I thought to myself, what if they just kill everybody? 
Like, when the scene? I was, okay, so the second that they, like, it became a really big deal, I was like, Ed is dead. I was for sure that Joel Kinnaman was not making it out They of neutered him so fast. They knew that later on when the ship was under, like, huge duress and that someone needed to go outside, right, that yeah. if he wasn't hurt, he would be the one who oh, was yeah, insisting obviously. to do it. So that's why they did it. They also had this weird argument between him and Yvonne to show that their relationship doesn't fall apart. I didn't really like that part, though. Like, But they felt- did it for a reason. They're like, okay, so clearly he's not happy with Yvonne. He's just... You're trying to get over Karen. And then Karen, Sam dies like immediately yeah. <laughs> into this scenario, which I was happy again. I was like, oh, yeah, who's next? And then Danny starts talking. I'm yeah. like, yes, I was, yes, go outside, Danny. Here was the situation. I thought that when they killed off Sam, they were doing the thing where they were like, okay, so he's dead. So like it was raising the stakes type of thing. And then Yvonne dies and then Danny dies. And then it's just yeah. Ed and what's his face and they're together again. I was I was ready for Danny to die 100% when he was the one that was going to be going out. I there. didn't actually believe it, but part of me wanted to. Like I even, even when the rope hit him and you saw him kind of lurch off. I was like, that was the moment where I, where I thought this is the only chance they have to actually kill him yeah. off. And then instead they were like, oh, look, he's alive. As if that made anybody yeah. happy. I, I feel like had they killed off Danny, it would have been shocking. Tra- shocking, tragic, and it would have been just a good ending. When they, were, uh, when they showed him alive, especially to end off the episode, I was like, oh, okay. And then Margo's at dinner. She goes to Alita's for dinner. And Alita now has a kid named Javi and her husband is named Victor. And then her dad's back. The janitor mm-hmm. from season one, I didn't know I would be so happy to see that guy come <laughs> back. And um, can he go to space? Because apparently everyone's <laughs> being invited to space because Alita gets invited to space. And remember when that felt important? Yeah. Remember when going to space was like a big deal? Like even the last season when Gordo had to work so hard to get in shape and get mentally there to lift off again. And we saw him do that with the song in the background and it felt invigorating and awesome and now it's just like karen's in space i think the second karen went into space it was like if everybody's special then no one is you know the yeah. old uh, the incredibles line incredibles <laughs> line and it really just kills the novelty makes it less cool and that's when ed's grumpy old dad stick was started getting old to me because he was just like limping around not really providing anything i kind of miss his humor if you remember him from season one he would have sort of witty retreat and without gordo there it really does take away the comic relief yeah. of, of people being able to be sarcastic with one another in a funny way. Now you're left with very dramatic characters. Yeah, not really any sarcastic characters at all now that I think about it. What do you it. mean? Because like Michael Dorman, Tracy, Gordo, they were always sarcastic, but it's like now you don't have anyone who really fits that mold at all. Mm-hmm. Maybe Margot, but she's not in space. Yeah. I still have hope that Ellen, when we see her again, because she used to be one of my favorite characters besides the uh, second season Pam storyline. First season Pam storyline was fine. Um, so my ending thoughts for the episode, because that's kind of where we leave it, is that the spaceship gets saved. Polaris is there. And so they're going to just shuttle back in and fix Polaris, I guess. And so I think that the show's just saying go big or go home. And it, right now it has a lot to do to weed itself out of trouble. I feel like the writer's spending so much time with the history mixing and cool stuff. Like, it takes its toll. But the sad thing is, like, why are they messing with the characters they've already established? This is the same complaint I had last season. And they develop those characters in such a cool way in Mm -hmm. season one and the beginning of season two. Their personalities were set. And I understand there's a dynamic uh, potential for everyone. But at least keep it in the realm of possibility so that we feel like the audience 
like something amazing. It could happen. And, and I don't know. Well, there's, there's a lot of information that I wanted to get on a, the future of this show and be kind of what the reviews were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Ronald, do, D. what do you Moore, give this episode though? I give it like, I, I think I enjoyed it maybe even more than you. I Probably. give it like an eight and a half out of 10. I give it a five out of 10. Wow. Really? Is this like your least favorite episode? No. It's not. A 5 out of 10? Yeah, there were plenty of episodes last season that I just felt like ruined the show completely. That's why I was so amazed with the finales, uh, the last couple episodes, where they were able to really hone down with those uh, space stuff. And they really made up for all the bad stuff. I know that the crit- or the that the critics got 8 out of 10 episodes this season. I was wondering if that was because of last season. Because the last two episodes of For All Mankind in season 2 uh, were on hiatus because of COVID. And then that's it. But the last two episodes I felt like of season 2 were the best. So I was wondering if it was kind of the same case here. Critics, like I said, have a soft spot for this show. Audience viewership-wise, like there was a big bump in season two. So far, season three has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Even the IMDb score for the whole entire show is going up. I think I had like a 7.7 at one point. It has a 7.9 out of 10 now. But people are saying that like, uh, kind of like you're saying, they shouldn't have bought the Karen storyline. That was like the one constant throughout the views into this next season. And if they're bringing that up, obviously it's going to be showing up for future episodes. Yeah, I can't help but have that like sort of Games of Thrones feeling that I had in season five and six where everybody was saying, this is still an amazing show. This is, this is uh, great. And like the IMDb scores were great too. But like, if you looked under the layers, you could still see how things were really unraveling. Mm-hmm. And then when people finally got it in their head that it kind of sucked, it was way too late yeah. for them to do anything about it. But the, the nice thing about this show is I think it'll never become Game of Thrones. I think I'll always be able to recommend season one and even season two. It might become a prison break, though, where I can only recommend those seasons. And uh, and that would be sad. I know. But I, I'm on board to watch. I'm on the bus. I, I know that I am fully invested. I will watch it no matter how bad it gets because of how much I liked season one. I know that this episode has an 8.7 on IMDb, and I wanted to really know about the future of this show. Is Joel Kinnaman going to say all that stuff? Um, Ronald D. Moore, <laughs> 80 years the creator, <laughs> well, look, Ronald D. Moore, the creator, said that he had a seven-year time period for this show. And I was like, okay, well, obviously, Joel Kinnaman's not going to stay for that long. But... He did talk about a five-year plan for this show and even going into season four and season five, which which I feel like they would have to do some like black mass makeup in order to actually keep him that long for this show. Unless like technology just suddenly improves there and it becomes like the expanse, like they just have curing technology because of all the space exploration. <laughs> also going they stumble upon some alien race that knows how to keep people young. Going by the amount of time that like each show takes every single season by season five, it would basically be the time that it is now in the 20s. I always thought that that was where they were headed is like they were going to show us current day now almost like a counterpart yeah but even at, with everything being so risky it still feels like there are predictable threads that's the problem like the danny and um danny ed and karen are now in a love triangle which yeah. is the stupidest thing you also have uh margo and her um russian spy i think the russian spy guy he is a great great what is his name sergey sergey yeah i think <laughs> gregor <laughs> no um i think he's going to do something to betray the russians and Margot's going to, like, she's going to do something really stupid. She's right, going so to get so them you... in, in trouble, but then she's going to work her way out of it. Margot hasn't messed up that bad in this show yet. But she's going to, 
because of how long they've laid this out for. Who is writing the relationships in these shows? I think it just kind of, Ronald D. Moore writes a lot of it, but he's done a lot of space shows like Star Trek, The Next Generation, Star Trek Deep Space, and Star Trek Voyager, as well as Battlestar Galactica and Caprica. It is starting to feel more Trekky. I'll give you, yeah, the, the last half of this thing kind of turned into like a blockbuster. I know that Joel Cummins said that episodes 7 through 10 also all feel like finales. I don't know what that means. But the first, yeah, it means that it's intense and cool, yeah. and I, I can't wait to watch that. However, it, it, the cool thing about the first couple of seasons, the tone at which they showed spaces was like unlike anything we'd ever seen in TV before. It was able to match it. And now it's kind of veering away from that. It's now becoming just a space show that that looks like any other space show, and that's that also sad. The yeah. Polaris thing is both cool and also a little disappointing disappointing but yeah that's overall i give it a five out of ten because of the karen storyline without the karen storyline yeah i'd probably say that this passes and uh i'd be recommending it more yeah a lot, a lot of reviews like i said our variety fair titled their review for all mankind takes a giant leap for competence born <laughs> so yeah i'm saying that like a lot of it turned into like such it. a soap opera yeah and now it's saying we're going to keep some of that aspect in here i know that i don't like it the show has been praised for some of its accuracy even in this season yeah which is kind of surprising considering the fact that we still haven't gone to mars and the show here is so but that's about all i have so I was heading into this season. So we were supposed to do this last season, mm-hmm. uh, the the end of last season, the, the second season finale, because I didn't watch the show until we were getting close to that. And then I watched the first season. I binged it and I was like, this is amazing. I can't even make it to the ending because I want to enjoy this. And then I made it through the second season. I never went from being like, this is my favorite show to I hate this show so much to, okay, I see what they did. However, I still hate that they did this certain thing so quickly. Like it was just back and forth and back and forth. And now that we're in this season, I just, uh, I don't know what exactly to think, but I, again, will still continue to watch it. And if anybody else is in the same boat that I am, um, good luck. I hope that we... <laughs> no, I you're not that, alone. <laughs> yeah, I hope that this ends up successful. All right, we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.